Thank you, guys. That was powerful. Good, good reminders of who we are in Christ. Well, we're going to do something a little bit different tonight. If you have your Bible, start turning to Philippians chapter 1. And uh, I have been so grateful for Josh's teaching ministry. As many of you have gotten to know the McClellans, they have been a great gift to this body of believers. And Josh has a real passion and also training in apologetics. And um, some of you have been blown away by the subject matter on Wednesday nights. It hadn't been typical Southern Baptist talk on a Wednesday night fellowship meal. And it's where the body of Christ is in America today. We are in a whole different country than what we grew up in. But the same need for the gospel is just as powerful, if not more powerfully needed today than ever before. So I want to give you a little context and why I asked Josh to take these weeks to equip us as the body of Christ because I'm convinced every single day you and I have opportunities for God conversations and we're missing them. We're not seeing the opportunities and they're before us all day long. And so we're going to do a little improv thing tonight and I'll explain what that means in a minute. But first let's look at a couple of scriptures. Uh, go to Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. The Apostle Paul instructing believers is giving great insight about ministering the gospel in his context. His culture was just as bankrupt as ours is. May have different issues than what we have, but they were just as bankrupt spiritually as we are today. And in verse 12 of Philippians chapter 1, here's what he says. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances, Paul had circumstances just like you and I, what were his circumstances? He's writing about a context. He has been imprisoned because he was preaching the gospel. He wasn't imprisoned because he broke the law, per se, in an immoral way, but because they didn't want to hear the gospel. We live in a day and age, most of you grew up, and it was very safe to talk about God things, to talk about the gospel. Everybody talked about it. Everybody usually was at church on Sunday morning. They may not have known the Lord personally, but they were in church or they were open to God things. And over the generations, we find this migration into darkness. Well, the Apostle Paul said this. He says, my circumstances have turned out for the great progress of the gospel. He was not defeated because he'd been imprisoned time and time and time again. He didn't give up and say, well, God called me to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, and I can't do that unless God cooperates. Here I am in prison. How am I going to preach to the Gentiles? Do you know that Paul is still preaching to Gentiles today? And he wouldn't have been preaching to us today if he had not had this season in prison to write these epistles and to write these letters. So God works all things together for good. And Paul understood my circumstances. It doesn't matter if it's a good circumstance or a bad circumstance. It doesn't matter if it's something that I sought out or something that found me. My circumstances will always be an opportunity for the gospel. And he's reminding them of that from this circumstance of being wrongfully imprisoned. He goes on to say, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else. He said, even the guards, these hard guys that see nothing but evil all day long, they see hardened criminals that deserve to be in prison, should be in prison, and should never be on their streets. And they've seen that we have been wronged, and yet they see the joy of Jesus, and God is using this injustice to spread the gospel. But look at verse 14, not only inside the prison, but outside the prison. And that most of the brethren trusting the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. One of my prayers as a shepherd for the flock is that we would be more empowered with boldness and filled with the Holy Spirit to be the witnesses we need to be. 
What I'm watching happen within Christendom in America is a silencing of the church, a withdrawing. We know that it's not wanted out there supposedly. We know people are harsh to the gospel. And so there's a tendency just to huddle up and hang on till we get to heaven. That you never see in scripture anywhere. And while it was very violent against Paul and all the disciples and all the evangelists that were preaching the gospel in each congregation and local communities, Paul kept teaching them to be bold, to be bold, and let God use your circumstances for the gospel. So let's look at our circumstances. Go down to 2 Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. He goes on to say, So then, my beloved, speaking to the body of Christ, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now even more in my absence, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. Now, if you, if you don't get to verse 13 and you stop at verse 12, you think that there's something you have to do to stay saved, uh, that you're supposed to work out that salvation. What he's saying is, as you are persevering, as this is getting worked out in your life, know this, it's Christ who is at work in you. Why? To will and to do work for his good pleasure god is working out your salvation he wrote that in philippians 1 6 when he said i know that god is perfecting the work that he began in us and he's reminding them we don't work for god we get to be a part of the works of god because he's alive in us he's working through us and how does he work through us i would say in the context of this passage we're understanding he works through our circumstances and provides opportunities every moment of every day to engage people to spiritual truth if we can see those circumstances correctly. For he goes on to say this, For it's God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So do all things without grumbling or disputing. You might want to underline that one, and you might want to bank that scripture during this COVID season we're in. Have you ever noticed that we have become the grumpiest people on the planet? I am. It's impacted me, and I'm preaching about it. Uh, COVID has caused us all to be grumpy and disputers everybody's arguing about everything and everybody's grumpy about everything and it doesn't matter where you go in our culture today everybody's grumpy well he says don't live like that instead prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach watch this in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation crooked what's a crooked generation well you some of you grew up in the Richard Nixon days and think about the crook uh, or the word crooked. Crooked simply means not straight, uh, divergent off of plumb. It's crooked. We live in a culture that is not plumb with God and his will and his design. That's a generation we live in. Some of you grew up in a very straight, narrow, pure environment. That's not our culture today. It is crooked and it is perverse. Perverse is not just sexual perversion. Anything that is off of plumb, off of God's design, one degree to the right or to the left is perverted. That's what the word perverted means, off of true, all right? So we're living in a culture that is crooked and not true and not walking by truth. So what do we do? Look at it. You must appear as lights in the world. He's saying, guys, this isn't a Christian-friendly world we live in. Uh, our generation doesn't want to hear from us. It's dark, and it's darker than it's been. 
It sounds just like our days, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound like the world we're living in? But he doesn't say, so just hang on until you get to heaven. He says, no, you've got to be, you've got to be light. And when do we need light? It's when the room is dark. There's never been a greater opportunity for the gospel. A lot of believers think it's the worst time for the gospel. I would tell you it is the greatest time and the greatest need. The more crooked things get and the more perverse things get, the more people truly hunger for what is authentic and what is real. But if we get withdrawn, if we get offended by the culture, if they're too strong against us and we aren't who we need to be, then we are not the light that God has called us to be. So that's why Josh has stepped into some things. He's tackled some incredible topics to teach us how to talk differently. We didn't grow up having to talk about those things. There are things that my children are talking about I never even knew existed. And I didn't grow up in a Christian home. And yet it's normalcy for them. So what we're going to do, it's called Improv Night, and we don't have but about 20 minutes. So we'll take a few examples, and I'm going to prime the pump first. What we're going to do, and you can start thinking of, here's an example that I have of a conversation, somebody I've heard people talking about, something that's going on within the news, how can we take everyday circumstances, things we read about, things we hear about, things people are posting on Facebook, how can we turn our circumstances into God conversations? That's what he's been trying to equip us with, to think differently, to speak differently, and to engage people where they're living every single day in crookedness and perversion. So I'm going to change the rules a little bit from what we were ready for. So uh, I'm, I'm going to throw out the first context. So what will happen is I'm going to give the first question after we play a case study with this first example. Bob Shelton has a microphone. He's going to come to the table. If you raise your hand, you get to throw at us an ex uh, uh, a situation, a context. Say, okay, with this, turn this into a God conversation. And we'll see if we can do that, all right? And if I can't, it's definitely going to you. So here we're going to go. First one, he's going to be the believer. I'm going to be the person in the world, and I want him to bring this in God conversation. Just happened in the news. We talked about it Sunday morning. It is history for Oklahoma. Um, cannot believe that we have issued a birth certificate in the state of Oklahoma on non-binary. How in the world did that happen in Oklahoma? D did you read that in the news? So now I'm bringing up this, and it sounds like we're just talking about what's going on in the newspaper today, what we just heard on the TV. Most of us would debate the issue or we talk about maybe that or we'll switch it because we're uncomfortable talking about that topic and we'll talk about something else. How could you use that as an open door to a God conversation? So I'm lost, you're the Christian. I bring up that context, turn it to a God conversation. So you just said to me, essentially, like, Hold that up hey, so they can hear you. Hey, did you just see that on the news? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I did see what that. What are those parents news, thinking, like, too, man? I mean, how do, it's either a boy or a girl. What in the world are they doing? Non-binary? What in the world? Is that, what? I don't even get the yeah. anatomy of that deal. I agree with you. We're done. Oh, wow, nice. <laughs> Yeah, I heard a lot of God in there. Well done. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're good. You're good. No, I mean, I think I think where you could take a conversation like that on some things that are important would be for me to say something along the lines of, um, so let's assume that you say that you feel good about that. Like that seems like seems like a fair thing for a parent to do. Let their okay. chill, let, let their yep. child choose for themselves. Yep. So I might ask a question like, I mean. At what point do you think a child is equipped maybe to make a decision on 
whether they feel like they're a boy well, I, or a girl. So I think the problem there is the parents don't want their children growing up with that pressure of performing to societal yeah. things. So they're trying to protect that child. So I think it ought to happen. They ought to be able to claim, obviously the child can't pick that. They're doing it for their child to protect them from sexism and all the issues of our culture. And so, wow, maybe we need to be doing more of that. Maybe that'd be a better world if we let that happen. So do you think they're born naturally, though, as one or the other, and then they just got to kind of make a decision? Or do you think they're born as something that's nothing, and then they just kind of decide which way they go on that? Well, <laughs> I'm not necessarily debating on whether, but I think, I think they're probably trying to protect them from the stereotypes that are placed on that or maybe even the limitations for example in a lot of cultures in a lot of countries girls are not allowed the same opportunities as some boys or perhaps when they do get older maybe they're trying to figure it out who are we to determine for them we are respecting that next generation enough to allow them to figure it out so maybe we need to be more open-minded i don't i mean obviously i think well we have a crowd here tonight so. <laughs> probably won't be as transparent as we might be at home right but go ahead so start with that so how can you keep moving forward into transitioning off of the uh, dynamics or even the the differences of beliefs to get to a belief about who God is or whatever how yeah, could you turn so that where I would so there's a play I'll address you first and then I'll come back to this conversation conversations are oftentimes messy it would be fabulous mm. to sit up here and give a very like right. sterile clear-cut they say, I ask this question, and they give me the exact answer that I'm looking for, which oftentimes doesn't happen. <laughs> um, and then they switch the subject on you and things of that nature. So one of the things you can do, if you know ahead of time the conversation you're stepping into, you can kind of prepare yourself for where you want to try to get. There you go. Yep. But a lot of conversations happen where we don't get to know that. I might be in a conversation with someone that I don't know, and they bring something up that I wasn't equipped and prepared for in that moment, and so we do have to sort of function right. on the fly. But in my mind, if I hear someone bring something up along that topic, and then working off of what they say, working off what I know about them, if I know anything about them in terms of what their view is, or maybe what they think about the Bible, like if they would agree that the Bible has authority, like they would identify as a Christian, then I can at least maybe use Bible to come back to. I can ask some questions, bring it back to something about the Bible. But if they're not a Christian, they don't accept any kind of biblical authority in their life, then, you know, I would want to be aware of that. I mean, throwing a Bible verse at them is valuable, but it's not that that is going to be authoritative to them immediately when it comes to, well, this is what the Bible says. And it's like, well, I mean, I don't follow the Bible. I'm not saying don't speak truth from scripture anytime you right. get a chance right. to speak truth from Always scripture speak. do it um, <clears throat> but it doesn't mean that it's going to carry the same weight in an argument so to speak so knowing that the conversation revolves around what are people born as what about someone choosing something one of the places that i want to try to get the conversation in some way is to this aspect i need to be born again Yes. So that's a great way There's to kind of transition to something that allows you to talk about what Jesus comes into our life to do. So, well, I was born this way. <clears throat> or a question like, well, what if I'm this? And anything like that, I'm going to try to find a way in that conversation to maybe make the statement. You know, what we believe as Christians is that um, God tells us that we have to be born again. Bingo. That's um, that's right on. That is so good. And that good. gives me access to something. Yeah 
something related to salvation, you know, that um, now, again, you can't just throw that out in a way that they're like, how did we get there? Right. I understand there's some flow to the conversation. Yeah, you ought to dial. You can't just go straight to Jesus and choke (laughs) him to death. But But if I know that's where it seems like the conversation is headed, and I know that when those kinds of topics come up, that's where I want people to go, I can already, already have a place of where I want to end up in that conversation. And that can help me give, <clears throat> help me be prepared for that. A Work little from bit. the end of the conversation backwards and slowly get there. Now, what will happen in most of our context is we'll be so frustrated with their wrong belief that we will get aggressive or we'll just shut it off. Well, obviously, we can't talk about this because we have, yes, we can, we should, but we're not. Uh, and so we run from the conversation. I want to encourage you to step into the conversation. I want to encourage you to let them talk out loud. Let them get it out. And frankly, the more they talk, the more foolish they start to realize some of their things as that starts yeah. dialoguing that you can then get to it. And so I and, love... Yeah, go ahead. And, excuse me, I'm not sure Listen. why all of a sudden just... Maybe just being on the stage with this man. It's just <laughs> it's intimidating. <laughs> uh, sharing the space. <clears throat> but... Um, How do you know I'm a man? Go ahead. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, just, we do. Just, just we do. Um, yeah. You don't even know my pronouns. <laughs> so Jesus tells us this thing about needing to be born again. Um, okay, let's have go. that conversation. Now, it's all right to not, like, if, if you're in a conversation and you feel like you either don't know where to go with it or you don't know where that entryway is, it's all right to treat that conversation in that moment as like, I'm just going to try to get to know them. Like, I'm going to try to get information from them about who they are and what they believe. So let's say that maybe I felt really ill-equipped or maybe it was an occasion where I felt like I couldn't maybe like really like engage them on that level. And and I'm not saying back away from that. I think we back away from it too much, like you already just said. So I think anytime there's an opportunity, I want to try to engage someone with a truth from scripture and the gospel and something about understanding who Jesus is and what he's done for us and why they need that. But it's it's also all right to just in that conversation all of a sudden be like, so, you know, ask questions to find out more about what they believe. Yeah, that's good. And if the conversation at that point ends there on that particular occasion, let's just assume this is a coworker, maybe it's someone from church, maybe it's a friend of the family who's an unbeliever, whatever, then that's okay to say, man, I appreciate you sharing that with me. And just make it conversational in that way. So, um, and sometimes that can help alleviate the pressure so that we don't sit there with a bunch of anxiety, not, not knowing, like, I don't know how to connect this and then feeling like I've got to awkwardly do it. And if you don't feel like you're in that, just take advantage of a chance to learn things about them, find out where they're coming from, maybe, maybe uproot an, an issue underlying there that's caused them to kind of come to the place that they have and take that as an information gathering setting session and then be able to use that in the future. Yeah. And if you are thinking, how can I turn this circumstance to a God conversation, you think differently. If you're not thinking about it in that direction, you'll just stay hung up in the circumstance. And you'll either get frustrated with the circumstance or you'll get divided over the circumstance. Now, my goal is I want that circumstance to somehow give an open door for planting a seed or watering a seed. I might even be able to say, if this was Josh and I having this and we were talking about it, I might even be able to say, you know, we may have different opinions on whether there's binary, non-binary, all those other things, but the beautiful thing about my faith 
is my scriptures teach that we don't have to be stuck in the natural realm that God offers a new life. Man, my struggle wasn't whether I was binary or non-binary. My struggle was with alcohol. That's the struggle I had in my life. But God set me free from Now, that isn't anything to do with where we started the circumstance. But I used that circumstance to somehow bridge into one I could speak into. Now I'm telling God's story through my story. You see how that kind of works? So that was an example. We didn't give it all. And what we're going to do in this improv normally would take 20, 30 minutes. We're doing it in three to four minutes. So we are fast speeding into the conversation more than normal. So keep that context in mind. Let's open it up to the crowd except for Dr. McClellan. Anybody else? That's Josh's dad who is uh, on staff at Southwestern Seminary. So we're, we, we, I've already blackballed him tonight. I hear you Christians are against abortion. Is that right? Doesn't a woman have a right to choose? What's the matter with you folks? Okay. Which one are you going to be? I, I don't know. This would probably be fun either way. Uh, do you want me to ask the questions? No, no, no. You go ahead. You want, you want to turn it into the God conversation? I'll, I'll let that be. I'll be the Christian. and in, in, I mean, I'm sorry. I'll be the non-Christian holding his position. You roll. How would you, how oh, would so you use that in a God conversation? So you're the non-Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah and said, a a woman issue. should be able to do anything she wants with her own body. Why, yeah. are, you, why <laughs> are you even messing in her world and her story? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, though, don't you think there should be some consideration of, like, whether that child is a living well, 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 being? Well, but it's a fetus. It's not a child yet. It's a fetus. Okay. So, different so, terms, so... Right. So how would we define when life begins? When, uh, when they're born, I would assume, once they take on life and take breath and life and nourishment and, and they're born, until then they're just tissue, is my understanding of science. So, uh, for instance, uh, you wouldn't use, like, so if there's a heartbeat, would you say that that would be, would you think that that's a sign of life, for instance, for instance? Wow, that's a good question. That's... I mean, generally, how do we judge when someone dies? Mm. Yeah, I guess when their heart stops, right? <laughs> Is that where you're going? <laughs> well, I mean, among yeah, other things. That's a good argument. Among good other argument. things, yeah. Good argument. But yeah. It, it just, what it does is it should provoke. So when, how would somebody, when they have a get, develop a heartbeat? Um, I think somewhere. Where, where are the nurses? Give me <laughs> nurses and doctors. <laughs> Dr. Myers, you know when a heartbeat starts in the fetus? I'm not going to use the word eight, fetus. Eight, I hate that, but I'm going to play like eight, that. 18 weeks. Yeah, Hope Pregnancy Center, we should know yep. what. 12 weeks? Six weeks. All right, so we've gone now from when you're being born to six weeks. We've made some progress, yeah, okay. haven't we? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. at the very least, it's six weeks. Not to mention when, well, anyway, you could go down the road of science and, for instance, the combination of an egg fertilized by, um, by a sperm and then just when the beginning of that zygote starts to take shape. Uh, and, and I think there are some good reasons from a biological standpoint to argue on the basis of how we define life that what is happening inside of that woman is life. Mm. Um, and so on that basis, would we, don't you think that there's probably a place for considering that as the primary question as whether or not life exists and whether that life should be allowed to be ceased? as opposed to just the personal choice of an individual? Yeah, but there's so many different things that can happen. One, it could be an unhealthy baby. Sure. Two, 
It could be an abusive parent, um, a person who can't take care of that child and their life is going to be miserable anyway. It's contextual. It should be it's from case to case, you know, and I don't think that's their responsibility. That's their choice. Why are we speaking into their life? It's their life. So if someone is going to be born into a bad situation, then we should not, we should, we shouldn't let them be born into that situation. Oh, I'm just giving at all. As one. Well, but let's example, let's deal but, with that. Let's answer that. Do you yeah. feel like that that is the case? Do you feel like it's the case that if someone's going to be born into a bad, desperate situation, a situation of poverty, a situation, a situation of neglect, a situation of abuse, that we should end that life rather than put them in that situation? Well, again, it's debatable when life is starting there. But again, if it's a druggy mom that is going to pass that on to a child and they're going to be mentally probably challenged from that, they're going to have physical uh, everything we're seeing, addictions and other things. Yeah. And that's a why yeah. why put somebody through that misery? Is it not a more humane thing to not allow that to happen to a life? I don't know. It's just something I'm wrestling with, and I just yeah. again I feel like it ought to be a personal choice. I get why you may not go there, but why are you butting into her choice? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's <clears throat> that's a that's a statement that sort of pervades and guides so much of our of our decision making and so much of our moral thinking today. I, I really think that a fundamental question we need to ask that's more important than my own personal choice is just when life really begins. Are we, in fact, could we potentially be murdering a life? And so it's something to consider. There's a great book I would kind of throw out to you if you're interested, if you're really interested in this topic. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is called Embryo, and it is by a man by the name of Robert George. And it's a little bit of an academic book, but it's a great book that lays out a strong case for when life begins and why life is sacred and should be preserved and why abortion would be a choice that we would deem as both as both immoral but also an act of murder, just to be really blunt. So um, anyways, if you're interested in something along those lines, that might be a book to read to hear maybe hmm. the other side hmm. a little bit more yeah. of. But how does that speak to the issue of you butting into another person's choice? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, that's more my issue because personally, I wouldn't want to abort, but I've got friends and, and I understand what right. their context was in that moment. And I think that's on them. They've got to make that choice. I just don't think it's my right to tell them whether they were right or wrong. Mm. And that's just my problem with the issue. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, well, let me ask you this. I mean, do you believe that there is a standard and of right and wrong for everybody anyways? Like that, like that comes, for instance, maybe from God, from a divine being who created things and established a standard of right and wrong that's the same for all of us? Do you believe in that? or? I mean, I guess, yes. I would want to say yes, but I also think there are contexts and situations that, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that real well. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a question we have to answer, and I think we have to resolve and maybe understand better in terms of the foundation behind some of the ideas that we hold to. If you do, though, believe that there is a God, uh, and you believe that that God is the source of life, and he has established law, so to speak, or rules, or a moral order for the way that we should conduct ourselves, um, then 
it seems to make sense that we would apply that across the board to all of us as human beings. So on some level, I mean, we don't, we don't live our lives on a daily basis um, in the same way based on that principle, just because it's a choice you made, this woman, that I just have to respect that. Well, what if, what if that choice infringes on the well-being of someone else? What if someone steals stuff from my house? Well, I mean, who am I to interfere with their personal choice at that point? Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. I just, just, I feel like we're imposing, or or Christians are just imposing their will on them. And so, so as he's working this, you saw what he did. He dealt with and started to open their thinking that, one, they're coming from a flawed position. How can you then turn it into elevating outside the... uh, rawness of that yep. emotionally charged issue to a God conversation. Where do you see a bridge there? Yeah, I mean, I would probably I would probably try to get it into something related to um, a passage or something related to, you know, Jesus shows, as a Christian, I think Jesus shows an unbelievable value and appreciation for life mm-hmm. and for all life. The Bible calls us to respect and value um, to value life, so much so that Jesus was willing to give his own life on our behalf. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I think it demonstrates God's love uh, for us and for people and for, um, and for life, I realize. And, and that's not a direct correlation right there to sure. particularly like when life begins, the issue of abortion, but I would probably try to take it to something along those lines. So uh, in the scenarios... You're dealing with the situation at the level that might be emotionally charged, and you might disagree on. The hope is the longer you stay in the conversation, you can move that towards a different spirit of the conversation. If you know Tim Tebow's uh, testimony, you know that his mother was, set, was, was told she needed to abort her child, that he was going to be, I think, Down syndrome or some kind of issue. And I might switch over to that after we've—I want to honor them. I don't want to feel like I'm just preaching at him, preaching at him, preaching at him. We need a dialogue, and it was good, and it made me rethink some things. I'm I, uh, it's dealing with the core compass in my heart as Josh helped me wrestle with some of that. But then I want to take beyond that and say, but, you know, I can see circumstances all the time, and I know I, everybody knows who Tim Tebow pretty much is. Uh, maybe they don't know the story. You get to tell that story. And he now serves all around this world. Matter of fact, our church hosts a special need prom with Tim Tebow's foundation for special needs people in our city. It comes from his story. He was supposed to be aborted. And he would tell everybody, and it is his story, I'm so glad my mom didn't listen to what the world was saying, but to what God was saying to her heart. And man, his life is making a difference to that. So maybe that's a way you can transition in, and then it goes to your story. We've run out of time. We might take one quick one for two minutes, because we are going to get prayer time in tonight. Uh, Do we have a simple another one out, or do we want to go to prayer time? I hope I was hoping we had we really need way more time than I allotted to get to it. Anybody have one more? Got one? This one in for you guys to discuss probably. Uh, a lot of times right now, the way the world situation is, I try to turn a conversation to Christ is coming and it's soon and things are shaping up in this world according to Revelation. The one I have the most fun with is when I get these scam calls hmm. on the phone. Hmm. And now if it's, a, if it's a solicitor for the fire department, the police department, or some organization, I just let them know I don't give, I don't do things over the phone. I have other ways that I address those things and do it. But I listen to people sometimes. I don't answer all the calls. 
But when I answer one and I know it's a scam, and I've let them strung them along till I know it's a scam, then I tell them, I feel like you're scamming me. And, you know, um, I don't feel comfortable with that. And I will, when I say that, there's no rebuttal. They don't rebuttal it. And then I commence to tell them, you know, one of these days, you're going to have to answer to God for what you're doing. And I would advise you to change your profession and go to something else to earn a living instead of trying to scam people. I have never had one. So let me interrupt for a second. You're right on it. The reason I got to interrupt because we got to go to prayer time. But what's funny is Josh was in my office today when I got a scam call. So I pick it up thinking it might be my doctor's office today, and it ends up being the scam from DirecTV coming at me again. And, and he, I lay, I he went after him. <laughs> and I'm feeling convicted. I didn't let that circumstance be used for the gospel right in front of no, he didn't. practicing this today. No, he didn't. <laughs> it was so hilarious. He called him out, though. <laughs> I called him out. Yeah. I went Lewis on him for the he first time. He definitely did go second Lewis. He declared judgment on them. <laughs> He didn't really offer redemption. <laughs> I did. I did. But uh, can I, I tell did. like a really quick story? Yes, like one it. minute. One minute. I'm assuming with a bunch of grandparents in here that we've got some people who have seen the movie The Lion King with their grandkids before. Um, anyways, <clears throat> so I'm going to take a chance and throw this illustration out. But it's always just an illustration that stays in my mind as I think about what it is to, to and not just the gospel in the sense that it's the, you know, Jesus died to, you know, forgive us of our sins and to give us new life, but just the truth of scripture in general. And it doesn't even have to come by saying it's that particular verse, but when we, when we take the truth of scripture and we like just unleash it from our mouths and let it do what it does. There's a scene in that movie where Simba, the cub, is caught behind this cliff and the hyenas, who are sort of the bad guys, are sort of there ready to eat him or to kill him, and Simba says, don't mess with me, I'm a lion, I've got a loud roar. And they go, oh, yeah, well, let's hear that roar. And so, Yarr, you know, it's not very impressive. And so they laugh at him and they say, what else you got? And all of a sudden you hear Simba roar, but what you hear is something loud behind him. You know whose voice that was? Mufasa. <clears throat> and I think it's a beautiful picture, like when you unleash the truth from your mouth. It's not your voice. It's That's God's right. voice yeah. behind you with power, authority, That's and good. greatness. That's good. And so don't underestimate the power of the truth to impact someone's life when you get a chance to speak it to them. Mm. Like, don't shy away from taking advantage of those chances, even when it may feel like to you it's no big deal. It is like Simba, whose voice is weak, powerless, doesn't intimidate anyone. But when we speak the truth, when we speak the message of Scripture, and we speak it clearly and relevantly into someone's life, into a situation or a question that they're dealing with, it is Mufasa's voice, so to speak. It is God's voice that comes with authority and power and greatness That's behind awesome. us. So. That's awesome. So what I want you to do tonight at your tables is I want you to pray. I want you to pray for circumstances. Uh, Paul taught us to pray for those circumstances, to be used for the furtherance of the gospel. I want you to share in your table, who's the one that you're praying for? Who's the one person you've been praying for all this year? Uh, or who's somebody new God's given you? Pray for a special need that's around the table. But let's go into a season of prayer 
uh, in this space, and I'll close us out in a few moments, all right? Thanks for being here tonight. I hope that, I know we didn't get into it very far, but I hope that that got you thinking about how any circumstance can be used for the gospel. Let's pray over those things, and I'll close us in a few minutes.